At the time for the dinner he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. Luke chapter 14, verse 17. I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Man, it was awesome yesterday. It was. At church. The music was great. The music was spectacular. It was the end of our uh, eight weeks of awesomeness, end of our Why Church sermon series. Mm-hmm. And um, the kids sang. Yeah, they were so cute. At the 945 and the 11. Mm-hmm. And we had full orchestra up there yep the choir was rocking it uh, i looked at some of the online pictures i mean it was just it was really cool it, somebody walked out actually jim kirby uh-huh. former, former dean of perkins school of theology is, is coming to the church now and uh he said man it felt like easter <laughs> it did <laughs> it kind of feel like easter it was such mm-hmm. a we big like celebration every once in a while. yeah so uh after the nine forty-five service someone came who was visiting from another church and she's like I'm just visiting with you guys today, but you have an orchestra every week. <laughs> and what I wanted to say was, what church are you coming from? Like, what, what church are you visiting from? That's good. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> totally. Here's a pledge card. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and designate that to music. Oh, gosh. But no, it was great. I loved the kids singing and swinging their scarves, mm-hmm. doing the big circle, clapping off beat. Man, it was just yeah, great. clapping on one and three. Golly, the kids were so funny. I just loved it. Um, but no, it was a great Sunday. I loved the sermon, loved the music. It was just, it was fun. And then we capped it off with a fair. I know. Did you have a corn dog? I did have a corn dog. Excellent. And Andy had a funnel cake. I don't think she'd ever had one before. She'd never had a funnel cake? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. I feel like you need a mentor. It's <laughs> a lot of sugar. It is a lot For of a tiny sugar. Person. Well, no, you shouldn't have to eat the whole thing. Did you let her eat the whole thing? No, we split it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you get parts of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the powdered sugar, like inhaling powdered sugar as oh. you're eating it is kind of the delight of having a funnel cake. Right. And you choke. Then you're like, oh, gosh. Right. Um, it's kind of like the cinnamon challenge. Yes. Except better because it's sugar. Yeah. And is there, was there fruit on it? No, it's just plain. Okay, just straight up. Straight funnel cake. So I asked you this yesterday during the service. I probably shouldn't do that during the service. But I leaned over and I'm like, do, do you and Scott go to the fair? <laughs> what, what part of the service? When did I ask you that? I don't remember. It was a long day. <laughs> We were sitting really close to each other yeah, all of a sudden. It was it was a little close, yeah. It was. Because of all the orchestra pieces. Like yeah. we sat the actually the three of us sat down for the early service and I'm like, Oh my gosh. I haven't we, been this close to anybody except Whitney in like a, two know. years. Rubbing elbows. Stephanie <laughs> right. was like, I'm gonna scoot over. I still got like three feet and then I was like, Okay, you guys sit on the end of your seat and I'll sit in the middle of mine. Look, and I'm then, not worried about COVID, just whatever else you got. I don't know. <laughs> You got coffee breath. Too close. Yeah. Too close. Yes. And then there was just, I, I was very, uh, uneasy about how the acolytes were going to get to the candles because <laughs> yeah. I, I was like right next to the altar. Uh-huh. There's definitely not room, but you know, they went around. Yeah. Meredith's pro. They, she had them. I guess at least Lisa Riazzi after they had yeah. them go around the outside. So I was good. Yes. But no, we do go to the fair. Although I think Andy's only gone once and I didn't get to go with her because mm-hmm. Jude was like newborn. He was like three or four weeks old. Yeah. And as you know, when you miss your kids, like first, like 
them doing him for the first time. Like, I think I cried the whole day. They oh, were, geez. I was just so oh sad. My gosh. I mean, they sent me pictures and videos. Oh, not, is that better or worse? I don't know. <laughs> but she had the best time and I was so sad to have missed it, but she loved it. She went Man. with the Lover's Lane staff. Like, they went okay. as like a staff and they, I think she shouted like butter. Like, they have video of her yeah. just like on someone's shoulder going butter, <laughs> butter on the way to the butter sculptures and she had cotton candy. Like, she loved it. So uh, I wrote this in the column, but my great grandmother's brother uh, was a carny at the at the Texas State Fair for many years. Ended okay. up owning several of the rides on the Midway, which is you know, oh wow, big time back Ooh. in the day. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up on stories of the State Fair. I would say I will say as an adult, it's got less charm. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crowded. Yeah. When I used to go, um, so that. You know, we had Dallas Summer Musical tickets for mm-hmm. many, many years. I've talked about that before. And the anchor show every year is always during the state fair. And so we would schedule it so that we had a, as, certainly when Matt, after Max was born, where we um, kind of did a date thing where we went down and explored some of the attractions and oh. had a corny dog. And, it is uh, really expensive. Is it corny dog or corn dog? I believe the original is corny dog, uh-huh. right? Like the real deal is the corny dog. Okay. The Fletcher's corny dog. Mm-hmm. They call it corny dog? I don't I, know. I feel. I think they do. Why else would we think that? I don't know. Is that like a mandala effect? You Google that. While yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Really important. <laughs> My I, first. I feel like I need the answer to this before we can proceed. Absolutely. <laughs> you also said in your column that everybody's got a fair story. Yeah. And I totally agree. I wasn't. Fr- I wasn't from North Texas. Um, but my first boss living up here, we took a like a trip with all the staff every year and he would give us like bukus of tickets and all kinds of stuff because him and his wife got engaged at the fair and so they go every year and it's their like wedding anniversary their pictures he like proposed to her in a photo booth (laughs) so they have like the pictures the pictures of her hearing it oh so cute it's so cute not at like the car show in front of like a truck or something right (laughs) in front of a new tesla the sail barn (laughs) like the cow in the background yeah So, so anyway, the idea was, as as Ashley's looking at that, mm-hmm. that the it is indeed corny dogs. Corny. It is dog Fletcher's corny dogs. Okay, it's good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we've cleared that up. So, listener, you're welcome. If you were wondering, <laughs> <laughs> you can sleep. You can sleep, you sleep tonight. Now we're not crazy. <laughs> so we had. Did we have corn dogs or corny dogs at the fair though? After worship, we had corn dogs. Corn Technically, dogs. Okay. they were not Fletchers. Okay, all right, fair enough. But it was. They're so Fair great. enough. Get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun fact, you cannot book a Fletcher's Corny Dog truck during the fair because Probably they not. say we're at the fair, right, guys. We did have... ask. Huh. We for sure asked. And when we first started planning this whole thing, I didn't realize it was opening fair weekend. I mean, I that was not top of mind. It just kind mm-hmm. of providentially coincided i think right or did yeah cr- no okay. i don't know that we all recognize that no. but it's perfect because especially for people who didn't want to trek it down yeah. for opening day yeah just come yes here. come worship mm-hmm. and then go out and have a corny dog mm-hmm. yep a corn dog check check yep and get a pumpkin <laughs> yep all right sermon <laughs> sermon let's do this <laughs> okay so you open your sermon by telling us about mosaic community at first sermon so had you done modern worship before no, uh, when we were at Arapahoe, Whitney and I were in, like, we were planning to do a coffee house shop, uh, church. I've talked about this, I think, before. Very similar to what, um, Union ended up becoming. Okay. Down by really? SMU. Yeah. And that was before, actually, before Mike came. And it was going to be a partnership with First Richardson and, and us. And there's a whole bunch of inside baseball bureaucracy stuff that 
delayed that project. And so we ended up getting sent to Henrietta anyway. But so in the late two, in the late aughts, so like mm-hmm. 08, 09, we were starting to do some planning for that. So it had always kind of been in the background of something we had desired to do. We ended up not doing a coffee shop thing, obviously, at, uh, in Sherman, but a similar concept in that it was an off campus, separate entity, um, very invitational for people who weren't otherwise members of the church. Okay. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was that I just, I have nothing but fond memories about that whole project. Yeah. So Henrietta also didn't have modern worship. Mm-mm. Okay. So then did you go, obviously you had experienced modern worship before, but at a place called mosaic in Austin. Okay. Yeah. We, so my brother-in-law lives in Austin and we were down there visiting. This is before, before I was commissioned. So it was back before Christmas was a work day okay. <laughs> and we were down there for Christmas and the Sunday, the last Sunday of Advent, we went, we were looking for, we, we were dreaming about this coffee house uh, church. So we wanted to go see an, uh, kind of a, an eclectic emergent church. You know, they call mm-hmm. them back in the day. Uh, they, do they still call them that? The yeah, emergent movement. I mean, kind uh, of. Yeah. So, uh, we, it's called mosaic, very close to my brother-in-law's house and his family. And, um, it was the coolest rendition of good King Wenceslas I've ever heard in my life. And it was like, so this particular place was a storefront also like mosaic ended up being, uh, and it had like it shtick was an art gallery. So it okay. was an art gallery in the front and then behind the gallery with terrific coffee as a requirement. Um, and then this kind of, you know, like chair set up and there was a stage with, the palette lit, lit by mm-hmm. lights. I mean, kind of a very standard look for that kind of edgy type church back yeah. in the day. And he did, uh, the guy did with a harmonica and Jews harp and like really cool instrumentation, oh, wow. a version of good King Wenceslas. And that always kind of, I mean, that, that name, that concept of mosaic that I came back to at the end of the sermon, um, really resonated. And I didn't go in, we didn't plan to launch a mosaic, but as we got farther into the process and, we're thinking about what it could be named. We came back to that and it was great. Okay. Yeah. And who leads that now? Do you know who uh, preaches it? Yeah. Or? Well, whoever the preacher of the day is. So okay. Denise Peckham, who was here at uh, Christ Plano, is now in Sherman. Mm-hmm. And Abby Eccles is the, one of their associate pastors. And Flora Grineo is also up an associate there. So whoever whoever preaches that in the main on the main campus also preaches Mosaic. Okay. So... You kind of mentioned that Mosaic was a kind of a different community. You were um, re- trying to reach people that maybe had no theological background. Right. And so we're exploring. So did you adapt your sermons for, based on the main campus to Mosaic at all? Sermons are the same. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what what we could do at Mosaic that we couldn't do on the main campus was visuals. And so there was uh, like in the manuscript, kind of a manuscript preacher, there would be the, the stuff for the AV person at Mosaic. So I would be able to use pictures over there or mm-hmm. movie clips or whatever, which was, I thought was pretty effective. But what's interesting about that community is we start, we launched it as a communion service. <laughs> so oh. we did communion every week. We did a creed every week. We had some liturgy every week. And, um, that ended up being, it was another thing what he thought I was crazy <laughs> for, for, um, suggesting but people who have no church background, our experience at Mosaic was that those kind of connections to the ancient part of the church, like this idea of ancient future worship, mm-hmm. it was in a it was in a modern setting, uh, a non churchy setting, and it was with modern music. But it it had enough ties to the the ancient tradition of the church. It was it was a really cool um, combination. Yeah, I am. I have found that 
younger people for a long time that's like, no, all they want is modern worship, all they want. But they kind of do like those more traditional mm-hmm. things, the way you can blend them and bring them together, like people really, and that's also very helpful for couples that are coming from, you know, you've got a, right. if you've got a Catholic and then you've got like a Baptist, like you want them both to feel comfortable. Right. And right. so merging those has been, I think, a key to a lot of people's success in, in church, developing new church communities. Yeah. Um, so what do you, you, you've kind of talked about this, but so why do you think it's important to have different styles or atmospheres for church? Like, did you wear a suit when you went to mosaic or like, <laughs> yeah, what, what so was it like? That's a great question. So, uh, <laughs> I had thought maybe that I would just go the, um, like semi-casual, like uh-huh. no tie, but a jacket or whatever. So, and I, that just was not possible because the schedule was eight thirty, nine forty-five, and 11. Yeah. So I would preach the chapel service with the robe on, but okay. I, I would already be mic'd up <laughs> and we use the same mic packs on both campuses. So, I would just un- unpack the pack and keep the lavalier and just preach in a suit. Everybody else on the stage, uh, Mason Morrison, who's here now, yeah, and is from Plano. Um, like he's he looks like a modern worship leader. He's in jeans and t-shirts or a hoodie or whatever you know whatever he's wearing that day. Um, and everybody in the band was casual, uh, and I was just in a suit. So it, but I think it worked. You know, it was kind of eclectic. I wasn't the cool pastor and Chuck Taylors and you know t-shirt. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I just didn't have time for the costume change. Yeah. No. Yeah. You didn't work on that. Put on your budget. Like, um, no. And Whitney is very clear that I don't need to be pretending I'm a 30 something <laughs> hip preacher. Okay. Like be who you are. Yeah. Professor. You're professorish, but yeah. that's fine. That works. <laughs> so you'd leave your robe, go and then get your robe back for the 11 o'clock. Yeah. And there were some Sundays where it was tight. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause mosaic was an hour. Every, you know, so, and it was, I mean, it was a couple blocks away, so it was, it was not a long walk, but by the time I, you know, robed up and mm-hmm. made the transition, there were times when I was walking in during the announcements at 11 o'clock at the, at the sanctuary. Um, if we were running long, I would have to have, you know, have Abby do the benediction instead of me so I could get out of there. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, the service that Scott and I, my husband Scott and I led at Lover's Lane, every once in a while, Stan would come, the senior pastor there would come and to thrive and he would, uh, cause thrive was the service we led. And sometimes he wouldn't take his robe off yet. And so he'd be in his robe up front and we'd be like, Stan, you look like an idiot. <laughs> like take your robe off, just wear your suit, which is also really dressy compared to what we, yeah, yeah. but he would just look so funny, like all the lights and stuff. And he, I don't know, we give him such a hard time. We're like, do you really not have time? Come on. So yeah. Um, okay. Let's get back. Okay. So the first passage from Luke, but, you, but oh. why is it important? What? Right. Why is it important to have yeah. different styles? I mean, yes. I, I think that um, everybody connects in worship with God in a different way. The theology is the same. And my own contention is that that Methodist grace-based theology, everybody needs it. Um, but some people, like our our sanctuary here is very traditional. Um, any Anytime you feature a, a, a wonderful organ, that's going to be pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. And we've added back a couple of liturgical elements that makes it, make it even more so. Um, and that speaks deeply to some people. That's not a generational thing either, by the way. I think it just depends on what you're used to and what your soul needs. But there's no reason that that, that same theology can't be presented in different ways. And the church has always done this. Paul, like the church has always contextualized the delivery of the gospel. The gospel is the same no matter where you are and no matter what the 
um, setting is, but it was spoken in different languages. It's been, um, interpreted in slightly different ways mm-hmm. or, uh, maybe I guess preached in slightly different ways. And that, like, that's just who we are. Mm-hmm. And so if, if someone, uh, resonates most deeply with the sacrament, and you can you have the the ability to offer communion every week. You should do that. Uh, if you've got the ability to offer a modern service, you should do that. If you've got the ability to offer an off-campus service for people who are hesitant or you know um, reluctant or have had a bad experience in traditional church setting, by all means, do that. And part of the job of the church is to consistently look for ways to preach the gospel in ways that people can hear it. Mm-hmm. And if we're not doing that, we're missing the boat. Yeah. No, no, that's exactly it. Um, uh, in what no way it's better than the other, you mm-hmm. know, I think some for a long time, uh, sometimes we're like, well, big church or real church is in the sanctuary and then pretend over there, <laughs> you know? Um, and you're like, no, like the theology is the same. It's just presented mm-hmm. differently. So. And this goes the same for hymns. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Different kinds of music appeals appeal to different people, even in the, in, even in the same setting. So even in the sanctuary, uh, some people really resonate with Taze music, for example. Some people love classical. Like some people want to hear Bach on the organ every week. Some people want those old gospel hymns, Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people want more updated hymns. Some people want to sing the Reformation hymns. <laughs> um, believe me, I know because I hear frequently about the, what people like to hear. And the, the challenge is to present as much, like as much diversity as possible to connect with people. So that was, that was the whole concept of mosaic. And I'm sure it was the concept here when we did mine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the passage from Luke, um, you focus on where we sit, mm-hmm. but there's obviously more to that. So can you talk to us about what that passage means to you and how you live and all yeah. that? Are you talking about both parables or one of them that, in particular? The first the so first the, section you read. The wedding banquet. So this is the one where, so Jesus said, I'll read it, uh, 14.8. When you're invited to some, when you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come to you and say, uh, give this person your place. And then you in disgrace would have to start, take the lowest place. It's this theme of reversal. It's obviously the opposite is true as well. If you sit at the lowest place, then... Maybe the host will say, oh, come on up here, sit by me. Uh, and <laughs> that could just be the point that I made in the sermon is that could just be good practical advice for social etiquette. <laughs> but he phrases it in the form of a parable, which mm-hmm. means that it's talking about kingdom behavior and uh, what it means to live faithfully. And so he, he summarizes it in verse 11. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that's actually a pretty consistent theme in Luke's gospel. It starts, I mean, we get that in the first chapter of Luke, which we'll cover in Advent a few mm-hmm. weeks. Um, and it carries all the way through. At the beginning of his, his ministry in Luke four, Jesus takes us the scroll of, of the prophet Isaiah and talks about, um, how he's come to preach good news to the poor. And, and he lists these, uh, he lists categories that honestly, I felt a little weird saying crippled <laughs> that mm-hmm. doesn't i don't i'm not crazy about that word but that is the translation that's here um the the specific list uh he offers the poor the crippled the lame and the blind and we got to be careful about that i mean that's kind of ableist <laughs> language yeah. for sure but contextually uh in the first century what that meant was people who were uh pushed to the margins of society because there was a very strong 
well, let's be honest, there still is a very strong mm-hmm. um, belief that if you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. And so if you were poor, if you were um, disabled in some way, um, if you were blind, I mean, that was seen as, in essence, divine punishment for something that you had done wrong or your parents had done wrong. So in, uh, in some, on some level you deserved it and you needed to be, you needed to sit over at the mm-hmm. table with the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Yeah. And what Jesus does all throughout his ministry is say, no, that's not the way it works. God loves everybody. In fact, God has a special place in God's heart for these categories on the, on the margins. And so part of the work of discipleship is to, there's a, a famous, a real famous song, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. You, you, that old, okay, da, 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 and he will lift you up higher and higher. Oh. That whole, it was a very, we sang it in youth ministry all the time because it's the only song that many of us knew and could kind of, kind of carry kind the of tune. Seen, yeah. Right. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a pretty common theme, certainly uh, in Luke, but really in all of his, all of Jesus ministry. Okay. So I think this passage is obviously influences like how we show up in the world. So is there any like practical ways that we show up the whole concept of maybe don't take the best seat in the house or (laughs) like other things? Um, well, we could go the Pauline route here where he says, you know, don't think of yourself as better than you ought Mm -hmm. to like, don't think you're better than anybody else. So, um, when you asked that question, did you have something in mind? Some specific examples? No, not really. I mean, even just be practical things like, you know, when someone says, okay, dinner's ready, you're not like, okay, I'm the first one, <laughs> first yeah. one. It's yeah, just yeah. this mindset of how, how do you put others before yourself, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. How do you look out for others? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are some practical ways, like for instance, uh, if you're like, if you're in leadership, you should be eating last yeah. <laughs> at the buffet. If mm-hmm. you are, um, like, don't take the closest parking spot to mm-hmm. the door. <laughs> yeah. If you're able to walk farther, do that. Yeah. I mean, not just because you want to get your steps in, but because maybe somebody who has a harder time getting to the door than you do, or so is older than you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like don't fight for the, for the, that your place in the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've referenced this in Bible study a couple weeks ago. There's a great sermon called by Fred Beekner called the two battles. And it, it's based on that text from Ephesians about putting on the whole armor of God. And Beekner says that within every human being, he's, he was writing the, probably the seventies. So he's in the life of every man. He says it's male centric language, but it's, but he means, uh, in the, in the heart of every human, there, there are two battles that we wage. One is to get ahead, to have glory and achievements and success. And then there's this other battle that we wage to become more human and to come, but to, to become more human is the Christ-like path where you don't always elbow your way to the front Mm -hmm. of the line or step on everybody as you get to the top mm-hmm. um, where you actually become more interested in loving God and loving neighbors yourself. Hmm. And I, I, that's a great, great sermon. It's a great, I mean, it's straight gospel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, those are a little ways. Have you, do you have any stories of people giving up their power that have impacted you or have there been things in your own personal life where you kind of gave up power or. It's a very counterintuitive thing. <laughs> Um, I don't know. So I, this is another one where I, I was wondering if you had something that, Oh gosh. Like that you had a mentor um, in your life that, where you saw that. I've seen, um, even colleagues, like they've had opportunities for certain things and they're like, I really want to do this, but 
I think I've been doing it for the wrong reasons. And they're like, would you like to step in and do this leadership role or something? So that has been a great example to me where people recognize like, I'm only doing this because I want a recognition or some glory. And mm. so it's good for me to step back. Mm. So that's been, that's been one for me. I mean, so I really, I pondered this question uh, and I, I honestly can't think of a whole lot of examples. Now I, I can think of a lot of examples of servant leadership where people are seek to use their power for the good. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's different though mm -hmm. than choosing specifically what he's talking about in, in verse 11. Mm. Um, uh, I think, you know, gracious leadership and servant leadership and, and leadership that's focused on others, power that's willing to be shared, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I can think of a whole lot of examples, mentor pastors mm -hmm. in particular. Um, but it's, it's the counterintuitive way to live, which is exactly the point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's exactly the point Jesus is making. And, you know, this is this, this kind of message in this passage, I think, uh, at least in the first parable, the second parable does something a little bit different, but the, the first parable, uh, is as challenging, I think really is the Sermon on the Mount, <laughs> these really high expectations for how to live in a way that's counterintuitive to the way we naturally show up in the world. And that's. That's very consistent with who Jesus was. Yeah. Now the second parable, <laughs> that is the one where uh, the guy throws the dinner, and the implication here doesn't come out and say it in the text, but like the social custom of the day is, if you were invited and you said yes, then there was a follow up on the day of, or day before, like in proximity to. So the implication in the passage is that so you have all these people who have said they're coming, mm -hmm. and then when you say okay, dinner's ready then they come up with all these excuses why they can't be there. And, um, the, the master of the house in this parable says, you know what? Fine. Like all these people cancel on him for a variety of reasons, some of which are more compelling than others. And he says, you know what? Fine. They're not invited. Go ahead and send the invitation to the poor, or the crippled, the lame, and the blind. He comes back obviously to the first parable. And then when all of those folks are in the house, there's still room. Then he says, go out and go out to the, go farther get gather everybody except the people who said they were going to come and didn't show up. And that portion of the, of the parable, um, <laughs> I mean, as a pastor, <laughs> I mean, I, frankly, I resonate with that because that's the, so there's this invitation and it really kind of demands a response. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of us who work in the church, all of us who are pastors have in theory, anyway, responded that, that doesn't push us. That, that parable doesn't push me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. What pushes me is how to preach it gently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it makes me think of, uh, I feel like it was a story that circulated a couple of weeks ago about people that RSVP to a wedding and then didn't show up. And so then the bride and groom build them for like the meal <laughs> for the meal. Oh, that's funny. I was like, man, gutsy. That is gutsy. Those aren't, that's not long-term relationship management y there. Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> um, Did y'all do that? No, we didn't. It would have been like. Everybody showed up for your wedding. Pretty much. I'm like, that'd been $5 well, for the Chick-fil-A sandwich that you, that we ordered too much of. Um, Whoa, that's a roast. You think it was Chick-fil-A? Well, no, our wedding did have Chick-fil-A. Uh, it did? Yeah. Chick-fil-A catered our wedding. Get out of here. You're no. making that up. No, I'm not. Where'd you get married? At Lover's Lane. That's awesome. And the reception was there? Uh-huh. And so what, tell me the menu. Uh, so we had, uh, pop tarts. Uh, Shut with, up. You did not. Yeah, we did. Cause we had the <laughs> pumpkin spice pop tarts. You have got, I don't believe you. No. When's your anniversary? November 19th. Pumpkin spice pop tarts. Yeah. 
Um, so we had like toasters and stuff, and then we had <laughs> Chick Fil A sandwiches, and then we had a few appetizers from. Oh gosh, what's the restaurant? It's a uh, oh a celebration on lovers yeah. on lovers yeah, lane. Yeah, because yeah. my mom was like, "Well, we need something else." I was like, "Fine, you're the one's paying for it." I was trying to go cheap. <laughs> Y'all can't see this, but me and Chris's <laughs> mouths are just open. This um, is the coolest thing. And then this is so on on brand. It is, is very on it's brand. So on brand. And then people from the church made like desserts for us. So we just had like a potluck of like different desserts. Holy cow! And the Chick Fil A cow came. God, you forgot? Yeah, I don't believe you. And, You're making this up. And a tux. He was literally Shut the best dressed mouth. person in the whole room because <laughs> Scott was wearing a cardigan. Like yeah. what? Yeah, you have to bring in pictures from your wedding. Hey, okay. Can we post some pictures from our wedding in the show notes? There's one of us with the cow and the Chick Fil A lady, Cindy, who works at, in marketing at the one on Inwood, um, brought us like a box of like gifts and stuff. And then that Chick Fil A threw us a baby shower and anniversary party. Yeah, we're like legends there. Wow. Yeah. That, this is something I had no idea about you and Scott. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, who did the wedding? Uh, Kay Eck. Kate did okay, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was at Lovers Lane mm-hmm. in Thrive or in the sanctuary. It was in our modern worship space because we had everyone around like round tables. We had like five hundred people. It was huge. Another casual flex, and you served them pumpkin spice, pop tarts as like appetizers, as appetizers, <laughs> and Chick Fil A sandwiches or nuggets, uh, sandwiches, grilled or fried, uh, fried, only fried. There was mm-hmm. no grilled option. Mm-mm. Get out of here. <laughs> No one's got time for that. And was there a cake? No, we just had cake balls and pies. Just the desserts and bro- that people uh-huh. had. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's like the opposite of my wedding. At Will. The opposite of Whitney's wedding. Because <laughs> 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 she, she, that's, I give her a hard Shade. time because she says, she, she totally says, she talks about my wedding, mm-hmm. referring to our wedding. Yeah. Yep. Was it super fancy? Oh, yes. It was very, Ours. it was very high tone. Were was you, it? were you white tie or black tie or what? Um, well, I was, uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I had a tux on. <laughs> <laughs> I was dressed. I was very, I was very dressed, very dressed up. But it's first Ann Arbor, and mm-hmm. it, you know she grew up there. Like, yeah. uh, generations of people were there, and uh, you know we did the whole. It was fancy. Yeah, ours was not, <laughs> but it was awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. It's so cool. We had great music, great band. It was awesome. Anyway, so you have a question in here about S- uh, somewhere I do I about a, a wedding the wedding oh yeah so one of the guys who makes an excuse yeah. not to come he's like well i'm married i'm like what does that mean so you have no fun anymore like <laughs> i'm married so i can't come anymore i'm sorry yeah sorry my life's over i'm all full i'm pumpkin spice pop tarts and <laughs> i just think it's sandwiches. such a funny like like well i'm married so i can't be yeah, there i'm like i feel like that's a lame excuse i agree okay so does the passage like uh i don't know convict you or what is that what is this second part <laughs> so I'm a one on the Enneagram. Okay. I'm a rules follower. I, I love high expectations that I never have been – high expectations have never intimidated me. And so this kind of stuff – um, like this is one of the parables of Jesus that I remember from a ki- as, as a kid. Oh, okay. In church where – and I love – you know, I have a tremendous amount of love and affection for the Roman Catholic tradition. I love the church I grew up in. Um it was very clear what a holy day of obligation was. It was every Sunday. <laughs> and so um, I'm, I'm sure Father Reed preached something about holy days of obligation when talking about this wedding banquet. Mm. You got to show up. This is part of the part of the deal. This is what yeah. you sign up for um, or what your parents signed you up for. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I, I don't know. Do you like this passage? No, I, I mean, I do. I mean, it, um, I think you said like in your sermon, like it demand, you know, it demands a yes. Um, so it's that, Hey, the invitation has been sent out. Um, and, uh, and I like the layers of, okay, you think you des- like, well, I deserve to be there. So, so I guess it doesn't really matter if I actually show up or participate. Cause I know that I have a, I have a place kind of, um, and then you've got these people that didn't deserve, didn't deserve a place. You're using air quotes there. I am using air quotes. And they got to, they got to be mm-hmm. at these special seats. Yeah. Yeah. So that's if, if the high expectation is the kind of demanding part of the gospel here, the, the counter, the, the soft part of it is that it doesn't matter who you are mm-hmm. or how you show up or, um, where you are in your spiritual journey or whatever, like just kind of the must be present to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but you can come as you are, you should mm-hmm. come as you are. And, I mean, God transforms us once we're here for sure. And there's the transformation portion of discipleship is not to be understated at all. But the initial invitation is meets us where we are. Mm-hmm. And the radical part of that for Jesus is he's telling the story in the home at the table of a leader of the Pharisees. And these are the, this is the religious faction that would ultimately get him killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, he had intense disagreements with these, with, religious leaders, but he, he was, he felt called to engage with them on their turf and at the table with the guests at the house of the Pharisees, he says, it's not just y'all who are invited. Mm-hmm. It's the poor and the mm-hmm. crippled and the lame and the blind. And you think they should be on the outside looking in. I'm telling you, they're actually the first ones at the, at the wedding banquet. Mm-hmm. And what I said in the sermon yesterday is it can be very easy for us as 21st century Christians who are very familiar with the gospel. I mean, even people who are tangentially connected to the church at this stage of the history of Christianity know that Jesus had a heart for the people on the margins. I mean, you have to work really hard not to know that that's part of his message. Right. And so it, it, some of these stories can lose their impact because we just assume he's going to be this way. Mm-hmm. But for the, for his own contemporaries, they would have been like, what are you talking about? The, the guy who was the guy who's blind because his parents sinned. You want that center at my table? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Like the, in my seat, in my seat. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, why would I let him sit by the master and I'm going to sit down at the end of the table? Give me mm-hmm. a break. Like it was incredibly radical. So it is the high expectation piece, but it's in the context of this inclusive and expansive invitation. It's just, listen, I love Jesus mm-hmm. for a whole lot of reasons. Um, I actually said this yesterday. I think this is, this is part of his message that, you know, I'm not an outsider by any means anymore, mm-hmm. but I still love this, this pushing, this expanding, this like stretching the understanding of these people who think they have it all figured out in a, into a more, uh, open table. Yeah. And so as Methodists, we embody that coming up as world, world communion Sunday where we, it's an open table. It's Christ's table, which means it's open to everybody. I mean, that's, that's, you can't read the gospels and come away with any other conclusion than the fact that Jesus would invite everybody to the table. Mm-hmm. We're free to accept that invitation or not. Um, but we're all invited. Mm-hmm. So great. So when the kids yesterday saying, draw the circle wide, I mean, it was just really incredibly moving. Yeah. No, I love, I just love that, um, 
the picture of like just an enormous table with lots and lots of chairs. And then there's no order. There's no best seat. Um, because yeah, we're consumed with like, well, I'm, I know that I'm right or I'm deserving or I'm just a little bit better. So I know that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a seat with a cushion on it or something. I better be at Jesus end of the table. (laughs) But come on now. Um, but it's just thinking through like, we just love to rank. We love to have classes. We love to somehow one up one another and to have this like level ground is, it's pretty humbling because we just don't see it anywhere else like in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. it's radical. Yes, it is. And in Philippians 2, in the Christ hymn, uh, Paul says that like one of the things that is inherent to Christ's character is that he doesn't cling to his authority as God, mm-hmm. but he empties himself mm-hmm. and becomes one of us. And that model should be the model that we all mm-hmm. follow. And it is the most counterintuitive model mm-hmm. in, in human history. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a company man, so yeah. that's the way I would phrase it. Yeah. He had all the power in the world, but <laughs> you're not reading stories where he's like, all right, guys, God's here. God's in town. Literally. He had all the power in the world. And he, most of the time he's like, shh, don't. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Mark's gospel. He's constantly telling people, don't tell them who I am. Don't tell them. And they're like, what? You but, could go to the head of the table. Yeah, you could. You could get us to the front of the you line. You could get the first pumpkin spice pop down. <laughs> That's right. We made reservations six months ago. We still can't get in. Jesus, just tell them who they are. Exactly. Who you are. Are, are those frosted? Yeah, they're frosted. We're back to the Pop-Tarts. We are. I'm yeah. really captivated by this Pop-Tart thing. They're pretty pretty awesome. Huh. Anyway. Um, okay. So first sermon, they kind of gave you like, this is what we're dreaming. We love to have a modern worship. And you said this was... You think you're most proud of so far? Um, I I said not proud of. I said the most one of the most rewarding things. Most I've done rewarding. At this point. It's not a minor point. Okay. Because it wasn't. Um, I mean, that was a team effort, and that was a Holy Spirit led project. So it's God's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was incredible. It was incredibly rewarding. Okay. So, do you have anything particular, a big dream for Christ United that you can share? Um, well, I mean, there are things that I think we need to, uh, be thinking about and work on that I probably don't, that are in the background right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the dream in this moment is for us to navigate the pandemic. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just been so exhausting for everybody on, on, I'm talking about on the church staff. I know for everybody in general, um, it's presented challenges. None of us have ever had to contemplate before and, so this past Sunday was kind of the culmination of our let's all come back mm-hmm. was the original plan. <laughs> and then Delta kind of the Delta variant right. kind of threw a wrench in that. Um, but it still sure did feel pretty mm-hmm. good yesterday having everybody together. So for right now, this moment is for us to continue to <laughs> navigate the, the tough waters that we're in. Yeah. You know, we've got some, um, uh, We've got some needs. We've got some, some gaps that we're working on. And we'll, but that, that's going to be a tease. I'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I think it was a great eight weeks and being someone that's still fairly new just to see all the different ministries and all the things that, and we still, there's no way we could cover everything. Right. But just to see like this is such a strong church with a long history with, um, deep connections to the community and people have been really transformed. I don't know. It just made me really excited to be part of this staff. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, amen. I feel the exact same way. I, it's a great church. It has been for a long time. 
And so, um, now that we're, we're through these eight weeks, we're turning our attention towards the holidays. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how excited I am about this. We're less than a hundred days to Christmas, first of all. Okay. Um, this coming Sunday is World Communion Sunday, which is always a great celebration. And what's interesting, I was talking to Stephanie about this last week, just kind of the way the calendar worked this year and what we chose to emphasize in our preaching services. We had not preached on our gospel story since Easter. And before that, um, or I guess uh, there was one actually in the summer on Matthew's gospel, but okay. we've, we've not spent a whole lot of time, time in the gospels, which is weird. I mean, yeah. it's unusual. So, uh, of course this past Sunday we were in Luke for the next three Sundays. We're in Mark four, no, the next four Sundays, world communion Sunday. And then the, the three stewardship sermons, um, the series, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. And then after that, it's Halloween Sunday mm-hmm. is a, Halloween is on a Sunday. I know. Then we have all saints, uh, which that night is going to be, uh, a memorial concert for Pat, Pat Messick. The week after that is Don celebration of Don's ministry. He's preaching one service. I'm going to say this a million times. Yes, 10 a.m. Right? 10 a.m. <laughs> in the sanctuary. Um, and then we've got Thanksgiving and then we've got Advent and we've got Christmas. Like it is, it is all awesome from here on out to yeah. the end of the year. So I'm excited about that. Any other thoughts? Um, Pop tarts are great. I, th- I knew, see, I knew you were <laughs> on your mind now too. That's excellent. Ashley, what do you think? Any other fair thoughts? Any other white church thoughts? No, I'm really excited for everything to get rolling now. I mean, we've been doing eight weeks of awesome for a while, but we got good stuff coming yeah, we next. Do. We do. I'm just excited. Yeah, me too. So, uh, stop up this week. Stop by the church this week if you want first dibs on the first load of pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Pumpkins are out there. It looks awesome. And next week is World Communion Sunday. I'll be preaching on Mark, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Off Script. It is always a pleasure to spend some time with y'all. Thank you, and God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.